Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris, Willie, and Trevor, part of the Nova Insider Network and brought to you by Homefield Apparel, which finally we have some alignment today. Of I'm Home rocking Field it Apparel today. Here. I'm <laughs> rocking for it. Three. three for three. I forgot how good these feel. Like, it's so comfortable. It's a great shirt. T-shirts. Extraordinarily comfortable. This is new. This is a new one. I got the, the Wildcats. Oh, that's the, like the Bobcat head too. That's I haven't that's seen count, that. That's count villain right there. <laughs> yeah. Love that. God. I have that shirt that Willie has. I have that bomber jacket that Trevor has. I have all the inventory. Um, but yes, so use code Nova Insider to get 15% off your first purchase from Homefield. Um, and they've been running other deals lately. I don't know if that Black Friday deal is still in play. Cyber Monday ends tonight uh, as we record live on Monday, November 27th. You have the Cyber Monday deal until midnight tonight. There you go. There it is. So follow them at Homefield Apparel on Twitter, Instagram, what have you. Um, And, yeah, they've been putting out a lot of stuff this year. So I'm expecting to hear – I'm expecting to get some more gear later this year. We haven't got any news on that, but I'm expecting more gear. Streets are saying a vest is coming. And by streets, I mean me. Yes, Willie is the, Willie's the streets. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the week that was because uh, yeah, that's uh, a lot changed in a week, huh? We had yeah. a drastically different outlook on life <laughs> the last yeah. week. I think um, if you guys want to congratulate me now, um, that would yeah. be a good way to get yeah. things started. We asked for predictions last week. I I said three and zero, and here we are, three and zero. And I ran from the grind. Ran from the grind. Chris, you were a coward. Um, it's true. Just didn't didn't believe that Neptune could win in Atlantis of all places. <laughs> like guys, <laughs> yeah. there's there's an entire feature film about this, and another <laughs> one coming out. Like you know, <laughs> it's time to it's time to wake up here. Yeah, yeah. It, that should have been obvious. We should have been able to see that from the get go. Um, all right, so we got a lot to cover today, um, and we got about. Now under 27, 28 minutes to get through uh, this component of the podcast because halfway through we're going to welcome on the guys from Hawk Talk uh, podcast, the St. Joe's podcast. We've had them on before. We've done a show a couple of years ago with them, uh, and we're going to have them on live here in just a, just a little bit. So let's get through our recap of the busy week. Um and look, so I don't not gonna tell anything that I'm not gonna tell anyone anything they don't know. We beat up on Texas Tech, 85 to 69. Beat North Carolina uh, in overtime, 83 to 81, and beat the breaks off of Memphis, 79 63, which is really not indicative of the score and the and the way that game was played. So so let's get into it and kind of get through kind of our takeaways um, from the game. So I'll just to start from me, I said earlier on that I thought this team has a high defensive ceiling and I'm really, I'm really on that. The defense was really good throughout the, throughout the time in, in the Bahamas. Um, We played a high 
we played a high possession game with North Carolina. That's why they scored 83-81, but it was a high possession game, so it was a little bit more up-tempo, which is what North Carolina likes to do. So that forced the scores higher, but you can't look at the scores. The defensive efficiency of this team was phenomenal uh, throughout throughout the course down there. And there's still a lot of ways to improve, but I got to start with the defense for me being the thing that stood out from a team-wide perspective, being the thing that stood out. I mean, it was talked about nonstop during like every, like I felt like every single game, Jimmy Dykes was talking about the way that we stand our man, uh, the man up and we don't like open up our hips. And it was, I was worried that we were going to have a game where we just like kind of regressed and we didn't, we got into everyone. And what I loved was like, and we, I, we spoke about this all year or earlier in the season. It's like we have like the pressure defense where we're pushing up on people, but we're also not letting them get to the rim. And we're really just doing a good job of deterring that. And um, whether it's um, Eric's going in drop coverage. So what we're essentially doing is telling people, take a mid-range jumper all you want, but we're not letting you go to the rim. We're not like in theory, letting you shoot open threes. I think that's where some of the communication thing can be um, uh, worked on, but like, we're just not creating lanes to the rim, which is like, the easiest place to score is to score at the rim. That's just the most efficient shot in basketball if you can get there. And we're not allowing you to do it. So, of course, the defense is going to look better. So I'm really excited about the way that it's looked. Yeah, we didn't necessarily – the Texas Tech game, I I don't want to say I've, I don't feel good about it, but let's state facts. Like, they are not a good jump shooting team. Um, the matchup zone switching to man-to-man, depending on where the guy gets on the floor – uh, around the free throw line really helped shut them down from getting a ton of open shots. They shot the three pretty well in the first half and then kind of cooled off as statistics would have happened. Um, UNC game, I thought the only thing was uh, we got really lucky, lucky on um, a lot of missed layups on their end, on their part. Uh, they got a lot of offensive rebounds, it felt like, but – we, I don't know if somebody put a lid on the bucket in between, but we uh, we did a really good job of, again, I don't want to say getting lucky because they missed their shots. Guys are in their space and, and having them shoot differently than they would normally shoot if it was just an open lane, um, especially with how what, like Eric and Nana are there and take up a lot of space to kind of um, have somebody shoot differently. So the only thing that I thought was concerning with UNC was just some of the rebounding. If we could clean that up, I would feel a lot better um, I mean, but early in the season. Yeah, and also with that, like, I mean, UNC has Baycott, who's one of the best rebounders in college exactly. basketball, if not yeah. the best rebounder. I think something that's interesting with that is, like, yeah, they missed their bunnies. But, like, I think we've started – not even just this year. Historically, we've seen a lot of teams do that versus us. And I think it's just because we're so physical and so tough that, like, Every shot your let like your base of your legs is being either like I would I don't want to say pushed because that gets to the whole are we fouling them thing, but like it's just you have to fight through a lot of different stuff, um, and so like I think it it wears on people where like you're physically like on offense you are physically fighting to get to the basket against the strength of this team and now like not just the strength which we've always had but like now we just have length where we can go six five six 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 nine across the board um and so like i think that's part of it where like we saw them miss those bunnies but it was because we kind of beat them up and like 
I did, but to your point, I also did feel like UNC, there was a little bit of, like, UNC loves their secondary break. They love to get out of transition. And, like, we had a lot of, like, miscommunications where there were open threes, especially in the first half where, like, Harrison Ingram was going getting open. Cormac Ryan was, like, talking so much shit and, like, getting open. It was very frustrating and very happy to see them foul out. Or I wasn't happy to see Ryan get hurt, but, like, happy to see Ingram foul out and Ryan to, like, become less effective as the game went on i i guess when i say the positive on the defense side like obviously the statistics bear it out but for me i think what i'm judging the defense on is and you pointed to the texas tech game where they shot amazingly well and you kind of look at okay why does that always seem to happen against us uh but but the the thing that i'm pointing to is from a game plan perspective and from what we're physically capable of perspective, we're, we're forcing other teams to play outside of how they want to play, which I think is a really good sign early on in this season. I, like, I to me, the game plans were great. The I game plans were great. I, this, yeah. was, this was Kyle Neptune's best two and three-quarter game stretch, which we'll get into um, in a little bit. But, but like, it was definitely his best stretch um, from a game plan perspective. So shouts to the individual assistant coaches who got the scout on everybody, but shouts to the coaching staff and that starts with Kyle, like who, who made sure that that was beaten to the players' brains and shouts to the players who executed on the game plan, right? Like maybe in Texas yeah. Tech, a little overcommitted to the game plan in that we, we were bordering the line of letting them shoot like versus shoot over the defense versus like not being there on closing out on threes. And so I think that defensive communication is a point of emphasis um, going forward to get better. But, but again, like I really like the fact that this team has a good, has good game plan and can, and can execute it physically because. Uh oh, I guess I we'll never know. I guess we'll never know what Chris it's, wanted. It's just nice to see this happen to somebody else. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, just to carry off his game plan point, um, it was very obvious, and the, and the guys spoke about it in interviews, and if you were on Twitter at all, you saw um, the former players talking about how anytime they go on a trip like this, it, it is a business trip, and yeah. everybody is super locked in. Justin, I think the only time he touched the beach before uh, the end of the tournament was when he had to go down there and do that ESPN interview that they kept playing. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's very obvious that ESPN only has, you know, the one script when they're uh, when they're doing these Villanova games. Um, but yeah, like that, Eric that Dixon aside, can't guard yeah. Cockbrenner. Yeah, Fucking that point aside, which is which is not true. The um, first time well. they said that, I was like, are, "What are they talking about?" <laughs> like yeah. that's that's just the, that is the person that he does beat all the time. This is there's a reason this program is nine and zero in the Bahamas. Um, they they get down there regardless. Like this is this is the tournament that really kicked off Jay Wright's dominant run over the last ten years um, when they went down there in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys get locked in and stay locked in and are there. Um, they were ready to just like you said pounce on or what well, <laughs> the exact word was donkey stomp I believe yep. that yeah. the, uh, <laughs> the broadcast used. They were waiting to donkey stomp Memphis um, at the end of it, and that was just really refreshing to see. I I made the point that it, I 
I basically forgot that Neptune was coaching the team because I didn't see anything that I was like, oh my God, I can't believe he's doing this. I can't believe he's subbing five guys at a time. Why is he subbing Mark at the 17 and a half minute mark? Like, you know, just the little things that have bothered me um, throughout the season and, and last year, I just did not see happening. Um, and to me, I was like, wow, this is, this is really, we are, we're back. I mean, it, I, it felt good. I think there's a level of like, we're backness to that. I think like the other thing I wanted to call out just with that, it was like, as we think about just this team and like where we're heading to, like what I thought was super great was, I mean, and UNC fans are going to like up, uh, be upset about it, but like we're, we're able to manufacture fouls. And that's just like, and I am sure to play devil's advocate, I am sure there are a couple calls every game that we don't, that we, we commit a foul on and like, it doesn't get a call. That happens every single game. But like when you play as physical as we do, which is just what we do when the game is post-ups and when like to get into matchups, like we hunted mismatches all day versus every single team, specifically versus UNC and their smaller guards. And like, they were like, people were like, oh, Cadu foul, uh, Elliot Cadeau fouled out. And I was like, yeah, he's 6'1", and he can't guard anyone on the floor. Like, of course he's fouling out. Like, that's just <laughs> naturally going to happen. Of course, Baycott got two quick fouls. You can't match up with Dixon. And we, the, the entire first half of game plan was like, Dixon's going to take out Baycott. And then they took out Baycott. Like, he did exactly what he said. And then it was, put whoever you want, whoever else you want onto, onto him. You can put Ingram. You can put Withers. It doesn't matter. Dixon's going to beat them. Like, we found those mismatches. And so that's what I want to see us keep building on is like finding those mismatches on the floor and then putting, whether it's likely Eric and Justin and anybody else who ever has one, like putting them in positions to win those mismatches. Cause that's how we're going to win. Like a lot of these games. Like, I don't think this team is, I mean, I know they're not 2018, but like Mark is, and we'll talk about Mark. He's, he's not the cerebral point guard that's going to get I don't think this team is going to have 20 assists on 25 made shots. You know, that's not who this team is going to be. This team is going to be like, we're going to find our individual mismatches. We're going to make the right play. And then we're going to like um, exploit that. We're going to get to the line. Like that's what it is. We're shooting like 84% from the free throw line already. Like we're fourth in the nation. We're going to be tops again, probably. And we're seems like going to be consistent with Burton missing five free throws, which was three in a row. And then two, um and then he figured it out eventually but so like there's just so much here that i'm like i'm really excited about but like the ability to get to the foul line and like to do that in key times like we saw that's what happened with um i mean you want to see fans will complain about it but like when we got down nine we got to the line when memphis started to come back or was already coming back we we're down 13 we got dixon in, and then we got back to the line like that's where we can live. We can find those mismatches and getting to the foul line and just being like, Hey, we're stronger than you. We are tougher than you, which is like this, this trip all season. I've been saying like, we've been saying we wanted to be the tougher team. And like, we really didn't show, we didn't show it versus Penn. And like, there were just moments where I was like, Hey, like, are we, this, this trip was the trip where I was like, all right, we are the tougher team. We are the bad. We are, we are a bunch of bad men who are tough and are going to, they're bad men, really bad men. Um <laughs> And yeah, so I, I'm excited about it. That's all I'm going to say. I'm excited about the free throw line. I'm excited about the way that we're manufacturing our shots. Yeah. I mean, look, the free throw line thing stuck out to me. And it's been actually a little bit. It's been a bit since we played through like, hey, we're going to drive into the lane and try and get fouled underneath the rim. Like that was always part of it. But, yeah. but honestly, Jay Wright's earlier teams 
earlier, like the Scotty Reynolds, Corey Fisher era of, of, and it's not even necessarily earlier, but I guess it's like, you know, when he was a little bit more established, but not his golden run. Like that was a little bit more the identity. And so, and the personnel wise between Moore and Armstrong, and then the other guys who can get in there, Burton likes to up fake under the hoop, like whatever, like it's that type of stuff will get you to the free throw line. And that's key. And we're a great free throw shooting team. So it's taking advantage of something that we're, we have a relative advantage at. We are number four in the country at 84%, 83.6% in free throw percentage. Yeah. So like, why not exploit that? <laughs> if we're going to hit them all, if we're going to hit them more than anybody else. Get there. And we're not, well, there's two things I want to call out. And we're not that great of a three point shooting team. I think we're going to average out to be like slightly above average for the season. Like, that's so like knowing that we have that it's one thing. And then two, and I think this is a thing, we've also missed a lot of layups at the rim. Like, like that is something where I want to see Mark get better at. Bomba's missed a lot. Burton's missed a lot. And like I think a lot of them go in between like I'm gonna go dunk it and then they decide not to, and then you have the weird just kind of like, but like just bad finishing, like Dante DiVincenzo level bad finishing at the NBA level. <laughs> like that's just what it is. Um, but we're just missing like easy like things and Mark being able to like grow in that is going to be huge. And the shot, like the, the ball screen, just letting Mark get downhill versus UNC. Like this is like, if we want to like take a step back at the end of the UNC game, we are, we are, it is overtime. We are up one. We have to get, we have to make a shot. And we let our sophomore point guard basically like we didn't clear out, but basically gave him runway. He got to the rim and then finished through contact on one of the top five big men in college basketball and, and one like that's, or not an one. It was just a bucket that one, but like, regardless, that was really cool for me. Cause I was like, all right, that ball wasn't in Justin's hands. That wasn't Eric. That was Mark making that play and Mark stepping up. And like Mark is some work finishing away. And then like figuring whatever the heck's up with his jumper away from being like a really, really high level college basketball player. And he's already a pretty good college basketball player without having those figured out. Yeah, I am. I'm very I'm, Mark to me. This was the tournament. Like I think I pointed out, I think he went 10, three and three, eight and two, eight and two, or, or maybe I have those backwards a little bit, 10, two and two, eight, three, eight, three. But like he was, I want to see a little bit more on the assists to add another point of that. I'd like to see from that. I'd like to see from Mark, but he kind of took control and it impacted pace. Yep. We are now under <laughs> 300 298 in i didn't in know tempo. that i missed that in tempo yeah, really, yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> which is like gotta be the first time in a long time yeah yeah that slow we've down, been there speed, slow down speed but, racer. but <laughs> possessions were 71 76 which overtime game and 70 in in those three games which before that it was 59 66 64 67 so like pace is increasing and that has a lot to do with mark's impact on each an individual game because Mark just plays faster. So, and the offense looked better. So I, I think that's proof positive. Like, do we need to be the fastest team in the country? By no means should we be the yeah. fastest team in the country, but just a little bit quicker pace, the speed guys, if you yeah. will, <laughs> um, the speed guys, um, it's, the, it's the speed boys, the speed boys, <laughs> Sorry, the speed boys, um, we put in the speed boys and look, look, he was right, Brian. He was, he was right. Yeah. Um, he wasn't wrong. Um, 
just looking at the clock, Mark's big bucket um, in overtime, we talked about in the group chat, was an honorable mention as our uh, alpha dog play of the, or our man player. Which was it? Shaq fit man Shaq player. Fit. Yeah. So that was an honorable mention. And then one of the other speed guys, speed boys, TJ Bamba, who also gets up and down in a hurry. Um, I think there's no even there's no question that his uh, transition dunk kind of took that honor. Um, That's going to be in the running for Shaq Fit Man Play of the Year on the 40s at the end of yeah, the year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think we said that I said this on this uh, space that we had afterwards. It was just like that Texas Tech game. We were running a lot, just like opportunist opportunistically, and like TJ saw the space, saw that they weren't set, and just said, "Fuck it, I'm going." And like. That aggressiveness is what I love to see. And that was like, and that was smart. That's not, that right. wasn't dumb aggressiveness. That was and, being smart. And that's going back to your point about some of these guys who have that athletic ability are in between, like, oh, I don't know if I should dunk it or, or like, do the Brandon Slater thing and try to dunk it every single time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brandon had love Brandon Slater. He, all he could do for the most part when he would try to finish is just dunk it every time. A lot of it led to fouls, some of it led to the greatest posters that Villanova's had as of late since Eric Pascal. Um, yeah. And so I, I love to see the aggression and TJ, that was perfect. If you're, if you're going to miss the layup, just try to dunk it down the guy's throat. Yeah. And just as a quick aside, like one thing I want to call out is he also did that on like, just talking quickly back to just kind of the tempo. He also, and this is tempo and fouls in the beginning of the Texas tech game, did exactly that. Had a we weren't really scoring. Had a transition opportunity. Went hard to the rim and got fouled. And I was like, I love to see that because I was we're getting to the line. He saw an opportunity to score. He was aggressive. Got to the free throw line. Everything I everything we're talking about being speed, free throw line, aggressiveness. Like I loved that. So that was really cool to see. Um, but that was the Shaq Fit Man play. But like I think we know who the alpha dog of the week was. Um, Eric's back. Eric Dixon. Yep. Right, <laughs> yeah, Eric, Eric, Eric Dixon. There, I, I don't know what else to say. Like that, that performance versus Baycott is one of the best Villanova basketball performances, definitely in the last five years. Like I, we could go back 10, 15 years and still up there, regardless. But like, let's just say last five seasons, that was one of the best performances, one of the best big man performances, like ever for us. Like, or at least in the modern era. Um, I'm not going to go back to like. Pinkney and like Porter, like the court. That's that's a different era, um, but like that was so impressive, and he did that, and it make it kind of makes sense he did that because like he was facing a person who had no business guarding him. Like that's just <laughs> as much as he, Eric doesn't he have lives a, for those. Yeah. yeah, as much as like Eric has kind of like a weird like what would, what does he be at the NBA level? Like a lot of traditional college bigs don't have an answer for him. Like there's just not really an answer. I, there's there's not really an answer for him in college basketball. Like to be frank, on the offensive end. Yeah, I mean, it's he's the obvious. I, Thirty-four yeah. and ten. He was he was he was all the way back. I thought he kind of got back into his rhythm versus Texas Tech. UNC was obviously awesome. He was great against Memphis. Uh, he's he's yeah. the easy. The thirty-four and ten on its own probably does it, but he was he was good the whole tournament. So uh, he's yeah. he's the shot. solid defense. He's the alpha dog. I mean. You know, just he was doing it on both ends. Um, I was just really like we said, it's it's a shame he struggles so much against Cockbrenner. Um, 
<laughs> who was the last time he scored 30 points that's yeah. the exactly. funniest part about the whole thing he's like man and eric dixon i can't believe his career high Armando yeah. the la- he doesn't yeah. do this against Kaufbrenner, like yeah. literally the guy he did it against <laughs> so yeah it was good to have eric back um just like something that was cool to see and just like just to talk about the uniqueness of eric we like uh, Eric's three-pointer that he got fouled on by Baycott early in the first half of the and one. Like, I w- I've been re-watching that. It's such an interesting play because Bamba starts with the ball. Eric sets a screen for him, and it's a split action. Then Bamba gives up the ball. Or, sorry, Bamba starts with the ball, gives it to Justin. Eric sets a screen for him, and it's a split action for Bamba to get open. Bamba then re-screens, and then Eric comes on a pin down, <laughs> comes off the ball, catches it, maybe traveled. It was kind of close, but, like, didn't. And then gets into a combo crossover step back and then jumps steps back into a three-pointer and hits it. I'm like, that's our starting center that just like did a high level, like NBA, like that's like a Paul George level move that he was, he just did. And I'm like, this is Eric Dixon doing this. This was so cool to see. Um, Willie, I got to tee up because oh. there's <laughs> no another one, alpha man. dog. There's another alpha dog this week. Loose dogs, baby. (laughs) Lucy fucking Olsen. Let's go. My girl dropping fucking 40 on the heads of Temple. Oh, my gosh. So excited. Um, I I, just Lucy Olsen, everything about her, I love so much. Um, And Lucy's averaging like 24, like four and four. The women are five and one. Four and one, five and one. I think it's five and one. Uh, Four and one. Um, they just beat Wake Forest. Lucy had another like really strong game with like 25 and five. Like this is the, the train keeps rolling on the women's side. Lucy it. Olsen is so good. I'm excited for the Lucy Olsen Paige Beckers uh, matchup. Hopefully Paige can stay healthy. Hopefully Lucy stays healthy too, but like Paige has had more injury issues. Uh, but just to talk about like Lucy and like the game that she had versus Temple, that is like, I think we thought, and obviously like maybe Lucy's not going to score 40 every single time like Maddie did, but like, we thought maybe we – I didn't expect this from Lucy. I thought Lucy would be, like, a strong leader, and I expected maybe 20 a game. Like, seeing her put a 40 ball um, and, like, doing it where, like, just from all over the place, like, got to the lane, was four of six from three, shot 13 free throws. Like, you cannot guard her one-on-one. She's so good. I'm so happy for her. And then also just, like, also in general, just wanted to shout out – shout out Bella Runyon. Just, like – out there rebounding her ass off. Like I know Dalsy's like the big woman on campus, uh, but like Bella Runyon is tough as hell. Uh, and had like, I think 13 rebounds maybe twice, or maybe it was just like one time, but it's gotten multiple rebounds or multiple high rebound games. And it's just like working her ass off. I'm excited for this women's team. Um, I think we played Princeton in a couple of weeks, which will be like another big matchup because Princeton's like really good at basketball. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, th- I think that was the seventh 40-point uh, game in women's Big East uh, history. I, it was, she's the seventh player to hit 40 points. And uh, I, th- I think I read it in the conference, which okay. seemed kind of low to me. Um, oh, but, in the conference? Yeah. I. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's right. Maybe yeah. Big Five, probably Big Five. Um, that would make that yeah maybe in like a big five game that yeah. would make way more sense yeah. like in the conference I, I, like, I have to look that up and I'll I'll correct myself later yeah. but um she's on a list of seven for for something <laughs> <laughs> for hitting forty points but yeah women's team is off to a great start um, um pass the fucking ball award Can we talk about this just for a minute um again my only nomination would be 
I wouldn't say pass the ball. I would say call a timeout. Um, when <laughs> you're up 35, timeout award. when you're, when you're up 35, we have discussed this. That is the time to experiment with, with your lineups and get some guys, some reps in other positions, other areas that they're not doing every game just to see what they have and where we're at. I understand that. Will, you're shaking your head. I understand. I just, I just you're up 35 so <laughs> live game reps. You want to protect your guys. I get it. You can't you can't choke up 23 of those points with a, you know, in joke. You can't let a 17-0 run with no timeout. You can't do it. Was, it. it was it ended up being like a 22 to 4 run or something yeah. like that. Like you can't just, do that. Just call the timeout like when it gets to 17 or 18 points. That's all I'm saying. I it's just like what's the takeaway that we're up 35? Like we can't do <laughs> You want to like... give you want to give Devon Quinterly who already has uh, a little bit that he's playing for more gas to I... you know, he's Villanova is doing that thing where we don't want to touch the ball after a made basket cuz we're trying to run the clock out when there's 10 minutes left in a game. <laughs> Phil Booth famous I, for this. He gets the ball, hands it to the ref. The ref gives it back. He gives it back to the ref. They do this over <laughs> and over again. Javon is scoring, giving the ball directly to the official to hand to our guy to inbound, and then he's stealing the inbound play because we can't get the ball in because we have no ball handlers on the floor. <laughs> I, I don't disagree with that. I'm just like the takeaway being the next time we're up 30, like Kyle's not putting that lineup out there in a serious game. So, or like, I'm just now saying, he knows, I guess. <laughs> yeah, 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 he better not. He, he better fucking not. You so can quote like, that, Brian. Um, look, my takeaway is a little bit more like, okay, that was a crazy lineup. He should have called timeout. I think the thing to focus on, though, is that we are deep and we're as deep as yeah. we've ever seen this team be. That being said, and we were talking about before we jumped on, like, we need to have one of Eric, Justin, Mark. Bamba, Mark on the floor at all times. And so, like, when we have guys – and, like, credit to Brendan Hawson, who's, whose defense is coming along. I thought he actually played um, – um, He had a good tournament. Yeah, he, I yeah. thought he had a good tournament. Brendan from, getting kicked in the chest jump-started that entire tournament. Run. It did. Can, it did. I, I said that in your tweet. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and so, like, he, he played well defensively. But, like, you you have to couple him with guys who can do a couple more different things and can help him – who can help shade with him a little bit and make him a little bit more effective. Right? Like, and that's the thing from, like, a rotational perspective that, like, I thought Kyle did better. And I think, and I hope he continues to do better. And it's still early on in the season, so he's still tinkering and figuring out what he's got. But I, that's what I want to see. What I want to go back to, though, and not even not even the Memphis game was like he he did it well versus the UNC. UNC, yeah. he cut down the roster, the lineup. He got to seven. He situationally threw in Nananjoku, who made huge plays Two in, big blocks, time, back to like, back. in the second half, like made huge plays. But he situationally did this. And like he didn't really put Hawson on the floor anymore. Like Hawson's value wasn't there. He went basically to six and then a situational seventh. And we saw, so I'm like, I'm okay with that in a tight game when he recognizes, I right, know this is the six. Like it's our starting five in heart. And Longino actually, so seven, and then situationally, like Nana's the eighth or whatever it was, he like really cut down that lineup. So like when I think about like making those improvements, the Memphis game, I don't want to like actually utilize it because it was such a wash. Like 
he did it well versus UNC. I have no issues with how he handled the lineup versus UNC. And it honestly showed our depth. Like the fact that our third big came out and made like two huge blocks that like probably like won us the game, like in like yeah. the span, span of things. Yeah. Um, can, I, just, can I start a, can I start a, just a, just a crazy narrative? Don't you say it. I'm going to start a crazy narrative. Mm-hmm. Neptune coaches more like himself and a little bit better when Jay Wright isn't, around oh that was what i thought <laughs> and we're in trouble for tomorrow because they're dedicating the parking lot to him um, yeah you know, st right joe's away. is pretty yeah. decent so i don't know guys this might yeah. be um, <laughs> just my just yeah. saying, just saying. no i i agree you don't have you know dad over your shoulder um <laughs> we might be playing the third but, place game on um, Friday. <laughs> my last pass the ball um quarterback jordan longino uh two for three passing two touchdowns one interception uh on his long ball inbound plays can we please can we please set a screen and just get somebody open can we just just, set a screen and get somebody open in the backcourt so that we do not have to throw the ball 75 feet right into you know gosh every time it's been every time i see the home run pass Recent fans see the home run pass to Mikhail Bridges against Oklahoma. I see the home run pass by Reggie Redding when he threw it out of fucking bounds and almost let Pitt back into that yep. fucking game in 2009, <laughs> Elite Eight. Okay? Like, so, like, I have – Again, now we have a quarterback yeah. on the floor. So, it, it's just – all right, please all right. set a screen. I know the play. Like I don't. I don't think the players are listening to me for for <laughs> X's and O's advice. If they are, that's a different pass the ball award. Um, but please set a screen and just maybe like cut and get open on the run or something. Just get let Mark get a running start. Run his guy into a screen and take off a la Scotty Reynolds. Like yeah. that's it. That's all. Let's you have to um. So anyway. with that, let's wa- let's welcome in um, Hawk Talk podcast guys. So. They are, um, I guess, in the stream with audio only. I, I we you just guys just doing audio. Oh, hold on. Yeah, we can turn on our cameras. I don't. Um, give me one second. Sorry about that, fellas. There you go. And I don't know about Pete. You. I don't think he's here yet. But while yeah. we're waiting for him, we're good to go. So we'll we'll give him a second since we're doing this live. We've never actually done anything like this, so we appreciate you having us on. Thanks for coming. Yeah, I think Chris is frozen. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Chris is probably frozen. Yeah, but fucking a man, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, Tony, welcome on, and um, and yeah, so Tony, tell us while we're waiting for Pete, tell us a little bit more about the Hawk Talk podcast. I know we did a uh, a show with you guys a couple of years ago, but just refresh our listeners. Sure, um, and we'll do the same in just a second because I know you got this audio too. Absolutely. So uh, for those who don't know us, we're, well, at least I'm Tony. I write for uh, A10talk.com. So it's a very uh, interesting blog about A10. And for those who are unfamiliar with A10 Twitter, it's an interesting spot. But Pete and I cover St. Joe's basketball. Um, We do a podcast about once a week. And sometimes we have guests from Hawk Hill Hardwood, Matt Gifford. He's a sometimes contributor on the show. So it's always good to have him. And we just talk St. Joe's basketball. We don't like to talk about Villanova that much. We save it for one time a year, and we've been able to do a, a show with you guys before, which has been great, and glad to be back this time to talk a little trash, because this year, maybe this could be the year. So we'll see. I love that. I love I that. Actually, we'll get to that in a little bit. We'll yeah. get to that in a little bit. Um, but for your listeners, who will also be listening in, um, we're the Full 40 uh, Villanova Basketball Podcast. been doing it for several years now. 
we've had some host changes. Um, I've been the I've been the uh, continuous fixture here, uh, but Willie joined us last year and Trevor joined us this year, um, and Rob hung up the microphone uh, at the end of uh, last season. Uh, he just couldn't handle the Neptune era, so he put it put it in the rafters. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so we're looking forward to Villanova Basketball Podcast. You can find us on Twitter. Love to engage in Biggie's Twitter, which is a different animal than A10 Twitter. But A10 Twitter is A10 Twitter is a good time um, right. between between you guys and um, OnlyFans and the Gola Standard guys. And uh, they're they're actually good at Twitter. That's yeah. the thing. They I know do. what they're doing. Curry Hicks Sage. I like Curry Hicks Sage. I love Curry. Is, yeah. Lil Bona X, the, the, there's there's some there's some people on uh, on A Ted Twitter, and we got Peter in here too. Yo, fellas, what's going on? How's it going? How's it going? All right, let's talk this game. So we got this game on uh, Wednesday. It's the it's the right way dedication day, <laughs> um, but then but then because Villanova is uh, naming the little street in between the Davis Center and the yeah, yeah. and the Finneran Pavilion after. After uh, after there's Jay this Wright. guy that, that coached at our school for a while. Yeah, uh, <laughs> goes by the name of Gerald. Yeah, right, right, right. But then after that, obviously a a very enormous and consequential Big Five matchup, um, especially given the context of this new of the new Big Five Classic kind of thing. Winner gets and, to play for all the marbles. Yeah, it's it's pretty much. Yeah, exactly that. Like St. Joe's wins this game and St. Joe's is competing for the championship. Villanova wins this game and it everyone on our side, which is us, you guys and you Penn is all one and one and I think it defaults to like net ranking or I forget exactly what the I what the tiebreaker is. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's something that when we first talked about this tournament in September said, "Oh, we won't have to go into the tiebreaker <laughs> details." And uh so here we are with our pants down, not knowing, um, but I guess we'll figure it out. You know, it's interesting guys. I, uh, sorry, I'm just getting in here. I think you guys gave me a fake link, which, you know, classic. Don't know guys. Um, no, appreciate you guys having us on this. Obviously we've, we recorded a few times before and it's, it's always good to be on the full 40. Um, but I'm just wondering, you know, people are talking, how does it feel for the big East to get all of its, good players from the a10 i mean you got tyler burton <laughs> tyler kolik it's like it's just a talent feeder system basically well, you guys i'll speak to that because as shaka smart says he doesn't feel the need to ever go to the portal um <laughs> he likes growing his players at home um he he does not feel the need to go to the transfer portal aside from his probable two-time player of the year in tyler kolik um Burton, do they do they shoot free throws well in the A10? Is my only question. Um, yeah, he, he he had a little bit of an issue this week in the Bahamas. <laughs> Might have been like the only problem, but yeah, yeah. no, it's you know, not. I, that Tyler's Tyler and Tyler um, are awesome. They're studs. Uh, glad to have them. Yeah, for sure. And you know, great win down down in Atlantis. Watch that game. You guys like you did great. But how does it feel also winning? Something for a place that doesn't exist. Like Atlantis, it's not a real place, guys. It's not a real place. We, we were just talking about this before you guys jumped on. Neptune won in Atlantis. I mean, that was kind of that was <laughs> yeah, kind of also obvious. Fortuitous, yeah. That's yeah, that so pretty nice. I I guess I guess to your point on A ten on A ten players going into the big east, yeah. I mean, 
I'm looking. You got a fucking guy named Christ on your team, and we live. We are in the Catholic conference, so that's only a matter of time. I mean, <laughs> it hasn't been a holy war for a while now. I, mean, <laughs> I think this it's is the got year. a whole lot holier. That's all I'm saying. Resurrecting the rivalry. There's so many puns you could do. You know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit of hoops and. I think you guys, uh, Tony alluded to it before Peter jumped on. You guys, you guys did say, you guys said it like this could be the year. Uh, and I'm hearing it because uh, the lineup's good. Like Billy I mean, Lang's got a good team uh, out on Hawk Hill. And 118 in Ken Palm took a weird loss to AM Commerce, but took Kentucky into overtime. There's a lot to like about about you guys this year. Can you guys tell us a little bit more about kind of how your season's progressing and how you're feeling about this year in general? Sure. Uh, Pete, I'll take this one just to, to kick us off. So I think for St. Joe's right now, we've met expectations of what this team is supposed to be, right? We've got a freshman center. We kind of alluded to him earlier, Chris. Creased Essendoko is technically how you pronounce it, but we have French. said it wrong for the last three months. Um but, you know, he has been a great defense, like from a defensive rating standpoint, just when you actually watch the game, you see him on the court. He's a real legit center. You know, he's, he's seven feet tall. He's, he's a pretty large man. Um, and he's offensively struggling just a little bit to get the rhythm of, you know, big men trying to grow into their body, catch the ball underneath the hoop and, and actually score. But from a defensive standpoint, he's a true anchor and it pairs really well with the guards that, you know, by now are the ones that are running the team from Eric Reynolds and Lynn Greer, who I'm sure a lot of the listeners of the show are familiar with both of those players. Um, but that's pretty much the dynamic that we're running. And of course you have these extra pieces on the side of Cameron Brown, a veteran wing. You have Rashir Fleming, who's a sophomore, who's like rising and becoming a third contributor on the team. Um, and what does this all mean, right? In summary, it's a team that's learning to grow with a lot of freshman pieces but we're doing the right things as in beating the teams we have to minus Texas A&M, but we beat Penn. Um, we just beat Sacred Heart, which is a decent win. And then, you know, we push Kentucky on the road, right? So there's signs of what's to come later this year when A-10 play. That's what, you know, for us, that's what we have to focus on because there's a real shot to do something in conference tournament play and maybe do a run. Um, but from an overall, you know, we may have that bad loss, but the team is pacing where it needs to be considering that half the team is freshmen and sophomores. Going to ignore that. We beat you pen shot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> things we couldn't do <laughs> for 500 Alex. Um, yeah, no, I, I, and, and I'm looking at your guys, Ken Palm, just kind of looking at your page and to the extent that you're expected to lose games in the a 10, just based on pure Ken Palm ratings and metrics it's like one point here, two points there. Like expected to run out a pretty good record in, in conference. And I mean, you do that, you're going to put yourself in a position to make a run the A10 tournament, but but potentially with a couple big wins, find yourself on the bubble and 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 then some um, for the big dance. So I mean, look, it's it's good to see as someone who've been tracking former Jay Wright assistants. It's good to see Billy Lang get like. Um, start to get things rolling here and definitely um, put uh, bringing out a good roster this year and, and, and off to a, well, well, I like how you said, called it just Texas A&M, <laughs> but, but 
but aside from that, um, rolling out a rolling out a good year so far. Overall, like I feel like from what I've been able to see of y'all, that the defense has really improved, especially from last season where I felt like it was like a big week spot. Like, what have y'all seen? Like, what's changed in the defense? Is it just people being more calm in their roles? Like, is it is it the ad, addition of Creased? Like, what what is what do you think's been that difference for y'all? Yeah, so Creasy Sundoko, like Tony said, brings something that we haven't really had uh someone who can move with his body and in a game where he only scores four points is still plus 18 uh against sacred heart right i think he does things defensively that may not even just show up in the box score um obviously i just mentioned plus and minus but he he just he just impacts like he he's a big boy right like he's gonna impact people attacking the rim same with Rashir fleming like he has a crazy long wingspan. Uh, I think it's like seven four, seven two. Tony might know it. Uh, just somewhat like we have front court players who impact shots and do it on a consistent basis. And uh, you know, quick guards, pesky guards. I think that also helps, right? So, yeah. And just one thing to note again: we're kind of watching the the box score a little bit, but against Sacred Heart. Like, for example, this team had almost as many points in the paint as they did off of second chances, second chance baskets. So that's the rebounding's really good thanks to the yeah. size. And the other thing is points off turnover was really strong. And actually, when you combine both of them, they were almost more than just points in the paint. And then everything else was a three-point shot. So the defense plus the size has benefited not only on you know the defensive end, but it's been generating points on the other end of the basket as well with either fast, fast break stuff um, or just second chances off of a rebound, or maybe it's a long rebound off a three and we're grabbing it and we're pushing the ball immediately with those two guards. So um, I think that also adds to the to the whole defensive aspect as well. We're generating points off of a, a pretty strong defense. Cool. Another question that I have, uh, I don't think I've heard y'all mention this person's name, uh, Xavier Brown, two-part. Um, feel like he's actually a really good young freshman guard from what I've seen. I really like him. But the first question is why does he spell his name so stupidly? He has he's every got the whole po- end of the alphabet every, in his name. Every every, every, po- every yeah. <laughs> every permutation the of the, the name alphabet. Xavier, it's in his name. <laughs> so the, the the hardest thing to get about Xavier Brown, Xavier Brown is is spelling his name, right? I just call him X. Yeah. Um, he's a smooth operator. Uh the kid, like you'll see him. He just has the poise of an upperclassman and yeah. like the the body control of someone who understands how to play basketball at a high level. He's a high major talent in like a a, a mid major school, right? He's yeah. he he moves very con- in control and he knows how to attack the basket in ways that are like beyond his years. He really popped in the Kentucky game to me. That's what I was watching, yeah. and I was like, oh, this kid's this kid has like some juice to him. Sure. He'll be a good up transfer in a couple of years. I just, yeah, I, Brian, just, just timestamp that. I want to get the part where they called themselves a mid major. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, my, so my uh, well informed and deeply embedded sources, St. Joe's mentions uh, Xavier Brown, and then Cam Brown and Eric Reynolds as guys to really watch out and be nervous about, worried of. Um, I saw Eric had the huge game against Kentucky. Um, what, what is their game kind of look like for, are we nervous the second they touch a ball in the half court, like going to pull up from anywhere, or is this more of a get to the rim, um, you know, quick guards that we're not going to be able to stay in front of. 
so I was I'm been I've been worried about this a little bit. They uh, I think sixty at one point of the game on Saturday or Sunday, excuse me, they were at like sixty eight percent of their shots were from three, which is ridiculous. And then it got down to sixty percent, but that's because of like the last two minutes there were just like a lot of shots being thrown up. But for majority of the game, they were shooting predominantly from the three. And quite frankly, this team's better when they are, as you said, that second portion attacking the rim because Lynn Greer and Eric Reynolds can get to the rim and attack and then allow the three pointers to come afterwards. But the amount of just pulling up randomly from three just doesn't work. And it was seen in the box score where it's just scoring bursts of 10 and then nothing. And then like another five minutes goes by and they score 10 more points. It's just like these tranches of points Um, that can't happen. Like if they do that against Villanova, we're going to lose what we need to do is what we did against Kentucky, where Crease where is getting involved in scoring in the paint. Reynolds is attacking the paint, but then, you know, they're also, when they need to, making a three-pointer, but that's not what's driving the offense. So what you want to, if you're Villanova, is shoot, make them shoot, take those shots. Like, honestly, I wouldn't be afraid to leave them open for the first two or three seconds of a, of a play or in the half court because they're going to fire away, and that's just not, you know, an in-rhythm shot. So I think that's what if I'm Villanova, I'm planning to do to St. Joe's and try to goat them into shooting early threes. I've got good news for you. We love going 10 minutes without fucking scoring a point. <laughs> it's a challenge we like to do. We, we only score for 30 minutes out of the game. This yeah. is going to be an ugly game, guys. <laughs> Our podcast is very poorly named. <laughs> there is, yeah. Um, I, I, what I'm seeing here, just from the little bit I've seen – looking up some of the stats on on the team on your guys team is yeah the the three-point percentage i think you might be top five in the country in percentage of three-pointers taken relative to your overall um scoring output and and tempo um i think we're going to see a tempo a, a battle of tempo will um in in this game um you guys are top 125 i think i saw on on kempom we're, we we were just exclaiming how we're playing faster than usual and i think we're ranked 298 <laughs> in terms of in terms of possession mm-hmm, length mm-hmm. so like or tempo so like it's it's one of those weird um juxtapositions of of tempo we're going to try and slow you guys down a little bit except when we can catch a spurt via mark armstrong um i think you're probably going to see a little bit from our side on the offensive end just because we've seen it just recently versus Armando Baycott of Eric Dixon trying to draw uh Christos and Doko out of the paint um, to, to try and guard him when, when Dixon wants to shoot jumpers. And so I think you're going to see a little bit of us trying to do that and try to work the ball around and be methodical offensively and take time um, from a, from just take time to, to suck some of the life and juice out of your, out of the tempo game. So I think that's going to be a little bit, of, of a thing to watch for is who controls the tempo will definitely have the better chance of, uh, of, of winning the game. Um, and then the other, the other thing I want to see is Villanova's happy to let teams shoot threes if that's not their, their strong suit. But we just saw a game in the Bahamas versus Texas, uh, versus Texas tech where we let them shoot, all the threes they want, and they had like an otherworldly shooting performance against us, and it made the game a little bit tighter than it should have for, for, for quite a bit of time. So, if you guys are happy to chuck them and you hit them, it could be a long night for us. 
Yeah, you uh, know, I saw the matchup against UNC and seeing what Dixon did against Baycott, uh, yeah, has me thinking about what could happen. <laughs> uh, that was a crazy game. And I think if it's a back and forth like it was against UNC, that's what we want. I think if you guys play at your pace, we're less likely to be in rhythm. We're less likely to to we have to score. It has to be a high scoring game for, for it to be close, I think. Who's your X factor? Maybe for me, I'll I'll just say it's X Brown because it's you know X Factor. X you you know, I gotta say. Uh Eric Reynolds had 27 against you guys last year. I think he's great. I think Lynn Greer is great. I think X Brown needs to have a great game though. I think he yeah, that's my that's my X Factor. And I'll go with Cameron Brown. I'll go with the other Brown. Um, sounds like a law firm, Brown and Brown. Um, I think Cameron has been a really solid player, as in he's been a veteran leader making the right decisions for the last five games. I see him continuing to make the right decisions throughout this upcoming game. He's been – how many times has he played Villanova? He knows what this means. He should be able to you know, settle some of the, the freshmen, the younger guys. Um, and he's been scoring consistently, in my opinion, and, and making the right shots, even if he misses them, it's the correct move. So I'm going to go on Cameron Brown. It's not really a dark horse, but it's someone who can go overlooked very easily when you've got explosive players like Eric Reynolds running the offense. All right. Um, look, on, on, on our end, um, and we talked a little bit, of, a lot about it on our, on our pod, but from, from our, from our guys, uh, look, our starting, we're as deep as we've been um, in many years um, in terms of guys who will who will see legitimate rotational minutes. Um, you know, Jay Wright was famous for cutting guys off like like seven and a half players and leaving like really, really high end athletes on the end of the bench and not seeing a bunch of time. Kyle Neptune's been able to go nine, ten deep. Uh, the you know the starting lineup has been every game this year. Mark Armstrong, Justin Moore, uh, T.J. Bamba, Tyler Burton, and and Dixon. Um, within typically within three four minutes of the game starting, uh, Jordan Longino and Hakeem Hart uh, come in. We've gotten a lot from our transfer so far. Uh, T.J. Bamba probably being the most impressive among them so far. I would say Tyler Burton's motor is impressing people his shooting hasn't been exactly where I think people want it to be. Um, but his motor is rebounding. That stuff has been, has been there. Um, uh, and then Hakeem Hart's been real solid and Lance Ware um, has kind of come in and provided a shop blocking presence. Um, just a, a long guy who we don't really have a ton of that, um, in, in, in our, in our, in at least in our fandom, um, and he's provided a little bit of that off the off the bench. Um, last year, Chris Archidiakono played by the when we played you guys. Chris Archidiakono played thirty plus thirty five minutes. Um, he has been, I think, under five minutes a game, maybe a little bit more. Just three point two. Yeah. So so three point two minutes a game. So it's changed a lot with Justin Moore being back into the fold. Um, What's interesting is a juxtaposition of point guard style um, for us is Justin Moore is super slow and methodical um, and kind of wants to wants to either shoot a shoot a jumper. He's more of a combo shooting lead guard type guy anyway, but he really likes the the Brunson 
Archie Diacono-esque style of backing you down into the post and, and kind of making waves in that front. Whereas Mark Armstrong is a, is a speed boy, um, which is a, just an inside joke um, with us on the podcast. But he is he is fast, lightning quick, really athletic, can get up and down the floor in an in an instant. Um, the you know I think you guys we we talked a little bit about uh, what Dixon's capable of doing, so it won't belabor that point. But looks like he's going to lose. Been happening. Eight. Chris has just been dropping points all over the floor. <laughs> um, I'm assuming he was going to move on to talk, not talk about Dixon and move on to talk about Justin Moore. Um, and obviously what Justin can provide in terms of like the mismatch of like the justice and the speed, but Chris, you're back. Finally, I'll let you continue your talk. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Just talk about, stop me talking. Just keep, keep <laughs> talking about Justin. Moore. No, I was just going to say, I mean, Justin Moore, I mean, Justin's been, uh, is our tough shot maker has been and you all are well aware of that he's been taking and this has been a discussion that we've had uh like he's been taking shots where i'm like should he be taking this shot is this the best shot at the moment N- maybe not but it's justin so you kind of let him <laughs> we kind of let him roll with that but obviously strength wise size wise i mean six five built like a goddamn tank like he's gonna power through he's gonna back up and he's gonna back you up and he's just been our, he's our absolute heartbeat our leader chris i'll let you keep rolling now then the only other person I was just going to mention, because the only guy I haven't mentioned yet, is Brendan Hosen's the guy who, if he gets the ball with any type of daylight, the ball's it's going up, and he's pretty damn good at shooting it. <laughs> um, we're not the best shooting team that we've seen on the main line, but it's it's all, and we still shoot a lot of them. So we're right there with you guys in that regard. You know, I have a question. This is looking at how you guys have done this year, you guys haven't stumbled much, right? We joke about the pen game, but from an offensive standpoint, you're pretty efficient. Maybe you could be a a more effective field goal percentage, whatever. Like maybe you could be more efficient, but you guys have been pretty efficient. Four wins in a row. You're heading into this one. Like what, what do you see as like the key to the games for you guys? And maybe like, what is something that you would say pinpointing it from the pen game that when you did stumble in that game, what is it that made you guys stumble? And like, what is it your weakness if you had to choose one? We'll see if we make an adjustment to it, but we couldn't figure out Penn's two, three zone, which is silly to say, like they were disciplined in it, but like, we just there was nothing that we could do to figure out the two three zone we didn't flash middle we didn't do it like anything that you typically the way you just uh or dismantle a uh two three zone we didn't do um we play i think like texas played or not texas uh texas um a&m played only man i think unc did a little bit whoever we played tech (laughs) (laughs) um I think UNC played a little bit of um, zone versus us, but that's we haven't really seen a heavy diet of it since the Penn game. So that's what threw us off. Honestly, that's been the only thing to like truly throw us off besides us not being able to put the ball in the basket for 10 minute stretches at a time, which I don't really know what that is. That's still, that's still something we need to diagnose, but the two, three zone threw us off and yeah. We have a little bit of shot making um, from an offensive side, a little bit of a shot making thing, um, missing a lot of bunnies and layups and then some open threes that are missed. I expect some of that to correct with time as the season goes on, but that was happening just as recently as a few days ago. So I'm not going to expect it to be figured out now. Um, 
you know, the friendly confines of the of the fin will will definitely help a little bit in that regard. But that's one area. I, I would say when the, the other piece to the pen game, um, and where we've and when we've gotten into into like losing big leads and whatever against I'll candidly say Lemoyne, Maryland, and Memphis is there are times where we have a tendency to shut off from like a focus standpoint. I mean that from an offensive execution, but more from like a defensive tenacity perspective. Like our identity has been for a long time to be the the tougher team on the court. We were that way in the last four games and especially in the last three games. Um, I think that if we come out and are slow to come out the gate and are trying to figure it out and, and, you know, trade punches a little bit early. I think that's where I'll start to feel a little bit troubled. If we're tenacious and getting after it and the shots just aren't falling, I'll feel a little bit better. Even if we give up an early lead, uh, just because that has seemed to be uh, a huge element of how successful we are um, in the game. Like, like against Penn, we were the tougher team and that's, that was it was actually like a frequent refrain in the ensuing three days, even in press hits um, from Kyle Neptune and 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 the team about they need to be the tougher team on the court. And one thing I want to call out, I was wrong. We didn't play a sin. UNC, Texas Tech, and Memphis didn't play a single possession of zone versus us. The two games that zone have been played for us versus us is Penn and Maryland, our two worst offensive performances. So like play zone. But that, but I don't think you all play very much zone either. So it's yeah, maybe it might be a long day for you then. Yeah, we play really bad man to man when we try to chase guys <laughs> off the three point line. But it looks like terrible if you're going to run into the shooter. So we we've got even though our defensive rating's good, there's a lot to work on. So I, I'm not sure what that's going to look like. But that's interesting. I mean, we can try. <laughs> I don't think it will be good, but we'll see. Has has um anyone considered the fact that there are two players, one on each side, who is a, uh, a Villanova legacy uh, named Chris A. And have we decided whether or not we should just roll a ball out and let them go for it? Um, <laughs> I believe that's Chris Arizon on your side and uh, the aforementioned Chris Archidiakno on our side. Anyone consider that? Just a one-on-one? On one? Yeah, the other – I mean, the, it, it – the other five, four guys on the court can just like stand there and rebound for him, I guess. But uh, <laughs> have be a we? Lot of rebounds. Yeah. <laughs> and have, have you considered the the idea that your Chris A might be a sleeper agent, and are you concerned? <laughs> we've been we've that. been pondering that over ever since Billy came came here. Honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, what are you guys looking for? What's your key? I know you said. X Brown is the X factor, but what's you? What are you looking for? We need a good shooting night. If I'm going to be honest, I, I think it comes down to the fact that we're gonna. It's sort of like the the Billy Lang era of basketball when it comes to St. Joe's. It's shoot a lot of threes, and to to beat really good teams, which hasn't necessarily happened for Billy Lang. We were close against Kentucky. You need to shoot at a really high clip um, and be effective at doing so. So I know that sounds silly, but that is that is truly what I, I think would be the key to the game. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony, what about you? Um, I would say, yeah, you got to get Eric Reynolds going. But quite frankly, I'm very pessimistic because we've never closed a game like this before, ever. 
right? We just had the Kentucky game. There was Auburn a few years ago. There have been times where we've been ready to play upset and it just never comes through. And I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that's just because you can't, you know, you got to learn that, how to do that, but it just hasn't, we've never had one of those signature wins yet. And I just doubt that it's going to happen again. Maybe I'm giving away my preview a little early, but my prediction, but. If this was on Hawk Hill, I might be a little bit more worried. Um, Yeah. I still think it's very plausible, but. The fact that it's on like right, the right way day, like it's just, (laughs) you guys are coming off a four game win streak. You just won the battle for Atlantis. It's the perfect setup, right? (laughs) <laughs> you got us right where we want us. Um, no, the, I guess let's pivot the conversation a little bit to kind of what the ramifications are. We, we, we touched on it earlier, um, but the ramifications are, look, you guys go 2-0. and You're playing for the, the big five championship. Um, we go 0-2. We're playing Drexel in the, in the third place, in the fifth place game. Um, so Which I kind of want to play Drexel. That'd be cool. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> <You wild. don't. laughs> Um And then I think with the net ranking, I was looking at CB- the, the official net rankings haven't come out yet, but the CBS net rankings, I think we, we got the tiebreaker in our hands. So I feel like if it's either one or three uh, for us in, for us in this one. Um, and on the other side, uh, Drexel's gone 0 and 2 already. They're 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 set. They're going to be in the in the early cap of of the matinee, if you will, of the of the classic on Saturday. Um, and then at the same time, I believe LaSalle and um, Temple are duking it out to see who's going to be who's going to get in first place and then second place. So so one of us is going to. One of us on Saturday is going to play either or we could play Drexel. You guys are out of that conversation. Um, but one of us is either going to then play LaSalle or Temple um, on on Saturday. So that's kind of the ramifications. I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on the Big Five change um, and everything that's going on. I know we did a space earlier in the year, uh, but just kind of – between us, like what? What do you guys? What What do you guys feel about the Big Five and and how it's evolved? Yeah, I can so, go first. Yeah, go Pete. Because uh, I know Tony has probably might feel differently about this. Um, I I think actually Chris or whoever it, it is, I don't know, but I feel a little bit more confident about the, the direction that the Big Five is going in. I think having those like games at the Wells Fargo it has to be at that type of stage. Like the stage is the Wells Fargo. It can't be at the Palestra yet. Like maybe that's something down the line. Sure. If we revive the big five, the stage has to be set at the Wells Fargo just for a lot of different reasons. Um, and then as far as like where, where I see the big five going though, like it's, it can only be good if the big, the rest of the teams of the big five are good, right? Like Fran Dumphy, Congrats to him. 600 wins, huge milestone, great guy, big five legend, and arguably the best coach in the big five right now. Um, just be like historically, like he is not, not even arguably the best coach in the big five right now. Mm-hmm. Um, five and one to start the year. And I think like we need those teams like LaSalle, like Temple, like St. Joe's, and even Penn to bring back the energy like Penn did. So I like the direction it's going. I'm hopeful. 
I, I hear they're bringing back the pomp and circumstance. I hear they're bringing back the the the, the streamers, the the rollouts. I'll see like when I see it, I'll believe it, and I'm hoping to see it because I'm excited for it. So. Yeah, my biggest gripe has so far has been the rollouts. We need so far the the pen students have been much better at writing, and that's just you know I get it. They, they went to an Ivy tuition. League school, but they did yeah. miss <laughs> tuition in our game versus them. <laughs> Takes an Ivy Leaguer to really screw yeah. it up. Um, <laughs> but other than that, which we can improve on, I, I think we've got a lot of creative geniuses on this call. We could probably come out with a few rollouts. Maybe we'll have to like submit it, like you know, the, like the craziest podcast just puts out a rollout and sponsors it, but. <laughs> Uh, from a format standpoint, you know, I actually have warmed up to the idea. I still don't like Drexel in there. Um, and I, I'm on, uh, I'm unapologetic about that. I don't care how many feelings I hurt, um, <laughs> saying that one. But with that said, um, even though, you know, you lose, losing the temple game was my biggest issue this season. You know, I was very glad that we kept the Villanova game on the schedule. Just like, I know it's a part of the, the big five tournament, but it's its own standalone game, which I think is really nice. Um, and they kept made sure to keep us together, which is, I appreciate it, but it does hurt losing that temple game. Uh, LaSalle, I don't really care about because we see them all the time. So it's not really that big of a deal for us, but from an overall experience level, I've been somewhat pleased, right? We got the pen game, which was great. We're playing Villanova. We don't get to see temple, but Hey, maybe we do. Maybe we pull the upset temple beats LaSalle and we get to see them. So, um, I think it was a decent compromise for what we could have, it could have been all or nothing. Right. And I think we found somewhat of a middle road where everyone could be a little happier with it. Yeah. They had to try something um, is my standpoint at least. And uh, yeah, we'll see how that works out. My concern is that, and look, I've been, I was a fan of this. My concern right now is that there's still not a lot of fanfare about this on uh, on on socials and whatever. I haven't got I can't remember if I got an email about it. I haven't seen a whole lot. And maybe it's just like they want to wait until the game on Wednesday happens so they know the matchups and then they'll go all out. But that's a little too late. People make it's a holiday season. People are making plans and shit. Like so like I'm a little bit concerned about that. Um and I really felt um, – we talked a little bit about this on that space, but I really felt like you needed to have a – you really you needed to have like a fan thing. Like it needed to be like a whole environment. Like maybe you can go in and out of the Xfinity. Go in and out of the Xfinity Center. He's frozen, yeah. right? Uh-oh. Yeah. Um, that's usually how you can enter and exit bars. That's how that happens. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think he meant you should be able to leave sessions and come back. I hope. I think that's what he was going. Um, but, yeah, there needed to be something to kind of guide this and, and say, like, we're going to make this an event. This is a big deal. And just the fact that there's been – I think I got one email about it. Um from Villanova ticketing, nothing. I haven't seen any marketing done by the Big Five yet. But other than that, there's a thing happening on Saturday. We like, yeah, they don't have the matchups yet, so it's hard to to say who's playing when. But um, I would agree that that's been a disappointment. And, I mean, uh, you hope it can only improve. I think it's because like we're planning something big, and this is this. I just it just connected all the dots for me right here. I think we're gonna get Taylor Swift to be at the Big Five. <laughs> 
And like, that's what's going to change it. Like that's, it's going to be like, holy crap, Taylor Swift's watching LaSalle versus St. Joe's. And like, then all the networks are going to be there. And then it's going to be like, people are going to be rushing the door. So like, it's going to be, it's a, it's that kind of play. She's done her international tour right now, or this part of it, she'll be done. She'll be coming back home. It's like, she's going to be, she's going to go see the parents for Thanksgiving. She'll be in the area. So Taylor Swift's going to be there. That's what's going to, that's the, that's what we've been working on this whole time. I, I know it. That's probably true. Um, the last thing that uh, that I just want to ask, I promised someone I would ask this. Um, the, the home games I've been seeing on social media, you have a really handsome, really uh, really talented kid at the end of the floor who's mopping up the uh, lane after uh, free throws and made baskets. How do you think the team's going to fare with him not being able to be the mop guy on the court because it's a Villanova home game and he will be sitting in the stands – <laughs> with the Villanova fans, with his family, of course, referring to student manager Nicholas Kesley. <laughs> Going to be a problem, Pete. Remember when they had the the mopping problem at that Navy game, and the floor they couldn't they couldn't clear it. We've we've actually had those issues where you couldn't even play a game of basketball because the floor was wet. So, um, yeah. you know, it's like a football game. You got to worry about the X factor, in, environmental humidity barometer, whatever it takes. But yeah, I'm. I'm I, I wouldn't put it past you guys. You guys play dirty. You know, you're known for, <laughs> you're known for that. I know you don't want to dirty your loafers, um, <laughs> but, you know, it's going to happen. We're, we're in here at the beginning of this podcast being like, we need a vest from home field. And you guys are calling I'm going to wear loafers on Wednesday just for you, Tony. It's true. Thank you. Um, no socks either. Please, yeah. you know, don't be a barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we go, because we got to wrap this up. Um, predictions. Uh, around the horn. Tony, you got your prediction. You kind of hinted it. So go ahead. I'm sticking with it. I think I, I want to believe that they're going to win, but prediction, if I had to put money on it, Villanova wins. And I think they keep up the record of like multi, like eighth game where they win by more than 10 points. Like it's never close. So I think we continue that streak, unfortunately. You know, this, uh, now that we're talking about the big five, this kind of scares me a little bit. Just getting back to that idea, and I'll answer this question, I promise. The pod system, if that ends up being where St. Joe's doesn't play Villanova, I think fans are going to flip. Like, yeah. if that is no longer built into the, the schedule, first off, we're going to have a huge scheduling issue on our hands and a lot of unhappy fans. Um you're asking for a specific number for this one. I'll go back to last year's game. I'm going to say 71 to 68. It's a close one. You guys pull it off, though. I can't. Uh, brutal, but I can't just keep on saying. Are. Yeah. We can't even yeah. come on here and trash talk. That's how bad <laughs> it is. So we'll, we'll just take our, we'll just wait for the day to happen and then we can really start going in at it. I think it'll be up and down early. I think you guys will get some shots up and hit them um, early on. Uh, I think it'll be, but I do think it'll end up being like one of those games that kind of stretches out to like 10, 11 points, maybe garbage time. It goes up and down a little bit from there, but I'm kind of on that tune where Tony is from terms of end, final results, uh, probably 76, 65. It's kind of where my head's at. Willie Trevor. Tyler Burton's going to be playing an A10 team again, so I'm expecting 20 and 8 from him. Um, <laughs> I said we're going to go 10 and 1 in the non con. We already have our one, so I'm going to keep rolling with this. <laughs> oh, geez. 
but yeah, uh, we're gonna keep rolling with us. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we get north of like eighty, um, but I would say yeah, Villanova win uh, a uh, a comfortable margin at the end from a back and forth game in the beginning. I think. Agree with Chris. Yeah. But I do think that you guys are going to find a way with this team and this squad, just from what I've seen and some of your early conference performances. I think I think you're going to find a way to either get into the NCAA tournament or be right there. So I I I feel this like this year? is like this is a make or break year for Billy Lang. So I feel, but I feel like I feel good about it. I think and it's you have Joey Brackets pulling for you. So yeah, there you go. All right. I think that's it. I think our producer's calling us quits now. So, um, Tony, Pete, great hanging out with you guys again. Thanks for coming on. Um, and uh, hope your listeners liked us at the full 40. You guys are at um, – at what is it? That's Pete, come on. Question. You got it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Quickly, at, we got to go to bed. At Hawk SJU and Tony's got a 3 a.m. flight, so yeah. 3 a.m. flight. But I'm dedicated to the pod. Thanks, guys. There we go. It. Thanks, Thanks, guys. You guys. All right. Yeah. Take right. care. Hawk will never die. <laughs> die tomorrow. All right. That's all we got for you guys today. Uh, we'll be back next Monday, um, and then the following Monday after that. So that's our new time. Thanks everybody for listening, and as always, let's go Nova. <laughs>